Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to see you as we um, dive into Master's Week. I know many of you guys will be traveling. Uh, many folks have already traveled, and some of you will be out of, out of town or working extra for Master's Week. Um, but we are thrilled that uh, we could gather today uh, together and worship uh, on the heels of Easter Sunday. Uh, last week as we celebrated the uh, death, burial, and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ that changes everything for us. Um, today and next week we will be looking at the implications of what happens because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only our personal salvation and the new community of redeemed people that Christ saves, uh, but the mission, what is the, the mission of the church, the mission of, of the redeemed people of Christ. Uh, he saved us for a purpose. What is that purpose? Uh, what is it that we do here, so to speak? So uh, this week and next week we'll be looking at a couple different passages and then we'll pick back up in the book of Ephesians uh, in two weeks. Um, so let me pray uh, and we'll dive into Matthew chapter 28 is where we'll be today. So uh, pray with me. Father God in heaven, thank you for this morning. Uh, God, as we celebrate uh, who you are and what you've done for us through the personal work of your son, Jesus. Oh God, we thank you that we celebrate uh, you, Christ, that you have paid it all, our debt on a cross, and then, praise God, you arose, securing the victory, uh, our salvation, and God, that the good news would go forth. So Lord, I pray that over the next few minutes as we look in your word today, uh, that by your Holy Spirit, through your scriptures, you would speak to us, that you would give us understanding in our minds, that you would uh, turn our hearts' affection and our lives' motivation toward you, uh, God, to making Christ's name known. Uh, God, that you would transform us by your Spirit together as a church community uh, for your good pleasure. We thank you and ask you to do this in Christ's name. Amen. Matthew chapter 28. Uh, what we know is the Great Commission. Uh, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word. Friends, Jesus calls us to be disciples and to make disciples. What we know is the Great Commission may be over familiar to you if you were raised in a church or if you have any experience with the Bible. And um, oftentimes it becomes so overly familiar that we forget uh, that it is a mandate from Christ. Uh, the one who saved us for a purpose. Jesus calls us to be his disciples, and in so doing, we make disciples. When I was in college, I was uh, friends with this guy who uh, was a musician, and uh, we were friends in high school, and then by the time we got to college, he uh, was totally different, really kind of went the hippie route, had a crazy red beard. That's not Reggie, by the way. <laughs> he had a crazy red beard, played guitar in a band. And um, he really got into this band called Fish. And many of you guys may know of this band, Fish with a PH, because they have their doctorates in music or something. And um, so my, and that's true. Uh, my friend uh, really got into the band to the point that uh, he like dropped out of classes at Augusta State and, 
and kind of traveled with the band for a year, just kind of touring around. And he came back, and he was all, like, tie-dyed out, hair crazy, beard crazy. Uh, and he would make mixed tapes for us. He's like, man, you got to hear this band. I mean, I've seen them play, like, 72 times. They're so good. you got to check them out. I was like, sure, I'll check them out. You know, and he would, like, burn mixed CDs and make mixed tapes, old school, make mixed tapes for us uh, and kind of hand them out because uh, my friend had found his identity in this community that was centered around this band. Like he just, he identified with the music I mean, he played very similar music and, and actually became more of a musician in tune with that style of music after listening to that band for years and traveling with them and this herd of, of people that would tour with the band. And um, my friend found his identity in that community. His whole life was geared toward the band Fish. It affected how he looked, how he dressed, how he acted. It affected the music he played. It affected our friendships because uh, all the dude would talk about is fish. And all he wanted to do is get everybody to like that band. Uh, I was like in a punk rock stage at the time, so it just wasn't jiving with me, but I tried. You see, it's a beautiful picture of discipleship. Because at its core, the word disciple is someone who is a learner or a follower Uh, A disciple is an identity in which you find yourself. And as people, we always find our identity in something or someone. For my college friend, he found his identity in this band, Fish. He found his community around the band, Fish. He found his uh, life's mission was to play music like Fish, to be in a band like Fish, to, to get the good music of Fish out there, to try to convert me from being a punk rocker to a Fish head. Didn't work. For us as Christians, we understand that Jesus has called us to be his disciples, that we are learners, that we are followers of Christ. And this changes everything for us. It's in Christ that we find our identity. It's in Christ by which we are gathered as a community, like worldwide as Christians, but also in a community as a local church such as Redemption Church. It is in Christ that we find our our mission, our motivation for what it is we're to do. What is the good news that defines our lives? And this is where we find ourselves when we read the Great Commission in the book of Matthew. Now, last week we we saw the resurrection of Jesus, how that changed everything. We looked at Luke chapter 24 and how Jesus came back uh, from death and appeared to his disciples. And in the midst of their doubts and disbelief, he met them there patiently and gave them an understanding of who he is and what he had done. And they responded in worship, repentance, and belief, a joyful faith. And the story continues here in Matthew's account that that he commissions them out with the good news as disciples, as learners, as followers, as his worshipers. He sends them out with the good news of who he is and what he's done. And this changes everything for them and even for you and I today. You see, here at Redemption Church, we desire to be a gathering of disciples, those who are centered around the personal work of Jesus as worshipers, as learners, as followers of Christ. Those who would, by God's grace, be leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. That's our reason for being as a church. So as we look at the Great Commission, I want us to uh, just look at it briefly this morning. Is that good? That'll work. We see that the Great Commission opens with Jesus proclaiming his authority. Look what happens here 
in verse uh, 16, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus, before he says for his disciples to go do anything, his first proclamation is, all authority belongs to me. Now this phrasing is picking up on uh, the prophet Daniel hundreds of years before who, would, uh, who, who wrote a vision of, of God's servant coming to redeem all things, who had all authority given from God. And so, so Jesus is picking up on that language saying, hey, look, uh, all of your expectations for the Redeemer to come is, is me. All authority in heaven and on earth belongs to me. Jesus is saying everything, everywhere, and everyone all the time is under my rule, is under my reign, is under my authority. Jesus is saying his work of redemption is his alone. And because of that, everything's different. So we have to start with the authority of Jesus before we just jump into, hey, we've got to talk about whatever. No, 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 we have to do this. Nope, nope. We have to stop and say, wait, it all starts and ends with Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, all authority on heaven and on earth belongs to me. And because of that, I'm going to give you a new way of living. So Jesus says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So as we look at the Great Commission, we first must see that it begins and ends with Jesus. All authority belongs to Jesus in heaven and on earth, and Jesus' presence is with us always to the end of the age. Without that, the Great Commission is you know, not that great. It begins and ends with Jesus. And so Jesus instructs the disciples, first and foremost, of his authority. And then he says this, Make disciples. That is the imperative, that is the command in this whole statement. If you're like me, when I was in my younger years, even in college, I, I would read this and think, Jesus says, all authority on heaven and on earth is mine. Go. And I would, stop, I would stop right there. I would read the Great Commission and say, go, awesome, pack my bags, I'm gone. Not knowing where I'm going or what I'm doing or why or for whom. And I found myself through my college years uh, traveling literally all over the globe to seven different countries trying to find myself and figure out what God wanted me to do. And, and part of it, in God's sovereignty and His authority, it wasn't bad, uh, came from that two-letter word, go. A few years later, I found myself in a seminary class. Reggie and I were in a New Testament Greek class. And one of the brightest Mississippians ever created by the Lord... <laughs> A professor of ours, Dr. Jimmy Dukes, in our New Testament Greek class, walked in and on a chalkboard, this old school chalkboard, like wrote the Great Commission down, wrote, wrote this passage down. And he spent the next couple hours picking it apart in Greek. And the whole time I was thinking, Great Commission, I got it, with a go, 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 go. And he says, most of you probably think the imperative command of Jesus is to go. But actually, the one imperative command in this commission is make disciples. I'm going to change my whole world, you guys. 
I mean, for years I was trying to figure out where to go, where to go, where to go, and the whole time the commission is about making disciples. The one imperative that Jesus says, he says, look, all authority belongs to me. It's all about me. I'm Jesus, the Redeemer, God's Savior. I reign in heaven and on earth. Every person, everywhere, all the time is under my redemptive authority. Therefore, make disciples. And Jesus unpacks that a little for us, how we're to do that. How are we to make disciples? I mean, if Jesus reigns and rules and is redeeming all things to himself, how do we make disciples? So that's what, that's what we should want to do, right? And if we're worshiping Jesus, we belong to Jesus, we should want to make disciples. How do we do that? And Jesus says, this is how you make disciples. By baptizing, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And you do that as you go. Right? The word go there is kind of a, as you go about life, like your whole life's orientation now is going along with your life making disciples. For some of you, that means hopping on a plane. For others of you, it means going to work tomorrow. For some of you, it means having lunch with your family today and make disciples. As you go. Jesus breaks it down for us in this way. As we go under his authority, as his disciples in which we find our identity, we are to baptize, teaching all that he commanded and to observe all that he commanded. All right, so first I just want to, I want to break it down that way if that's cool. Are you with me? Like, uh, let's look at baptism and teaching and observing. All right, because that, that's what I, I think Jesus is, is wanting us to understand here is he, he reigns over everything and as we go as disciples, as we go about our lives, we're making disciples. You know, we want to be people that lead people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. So we're, as we go about our lives, making disciples by baptizing and teaching to observe all that he commanded. All right, so baptism is this. Baptism is a mark of identity. It's a mark of community. It's a mark of belonging to Jesus. A disciple is one who finds themselves following as a learner following Jesus and you become more like who you follow, what you value and first and foremost baptism is a mark of that identity both personally and as a community together. We look throughout scripture and even throughout church history we see that baptism can look different ways in different seasons and uh, we're not going to get into the debate of whether you should dunk or sprinkle whether you baptize babies or whether you baptize adults. I'll put it to you this way. Baptism in and of itself is an action to mark an identity based on the work of Jesus. And so here at Redemption Church, the way we do that is we, we see that once a person comes to faith in Christ and says, I'm, I'm identifying myself as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. He saves me. I belong to him. I want to identify with him. We do baptism in which we bring in this awesome trough from tractor supply. We fill it with water and we put you in it and we dunk you to signify the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because it's the work of Jesus that marks us as his. It's the sign of the new covenant that he secures for us. We have a new relationship with God because of Jesus. And so baptism is a vital part of discipleship. If you were a believer and you have been baptized, you know what I'm talking about. If you've not yet been baptized, I would love to talk with you about that. 
because it's a wonderful display of saying, I belong to Jesus now, this is my identity as a disciple, and the only way that's happening is not because I'm smart, not because I'm doing the right things, not because I was raised in the right tradition. No, it happens because Jesus died and was buried, and then he came back to life. That's why you're a disciple. So that's why we do it that way. Um, Other churches do it other ways. That's okay. There are signs of the covenant for families, and I get that, and it's cool. We're not going to get into that now, unless you want to, but we won't. It's a mark of an identity. Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14 says this. Uh, The Apostle Paul's writing says, Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of our debt that stood against us with legal demands. This set us aside, nailing it to the cross. See, what scripture tells us is because of the personal work of Jesus, you were no longer defined by your sin. You were no longer defined by your past. You were defined by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so, as a disciple, under the reign and authority of Jesus, we see that our identity is different. And it's defined by the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. That's why we do baptism. It's a mark of identity, that personal identity in Christ. But it's also a, a community thing. It's a, it's a welcoming into a community of other believers because I love what Scripture says. He says, we'll look at Romans 6. We're just going to look at Scripture. That's always good, right? Yep, that is good. Romans 6, 3-5. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. See, I love what Paul says in the book of Romans as he's writing about baptism being an identity marker. He's saying it's not only a personal thing, dealing with your sin, it is, but it's also an us thing. Like we were united together with Christ. And a vital part of discipleship is not a personal thing only, although it is, Partly, it's a relational thing. You can't be a disciple by yourself. Jesus didn't commission one guy, commissioned a group of ragtag, awesome, crazy, fickle fishermen. And because of that, we're sitting here today. See, baptism is an identity marker personally, no longer being defined by your sin, but defined by the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. It's also a community relational thing. We are together being united together with Christ. I think it's good news. So I'll ask you this, as we look about what it means to be a disciple, to make disciples, what it means to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, because we want to be a church that does that. We want to say, hey, look, we're here together, but we belong to Jesus. We want to lead each other to Jesus and to lead others to Jesus, to lead others to Jesus, to lead others to Jesus. I want us to stop and say, look, I mean, the first thing about making disciples and being disciples has to do with an identity thing. That's why Jesus says baptism here. Where do you find your identity? What is, your, what is your driving identity marker in life? Is it your job? Is it your education? Is it your social standing? The neighborhood you live in? What is it? 
Because while those things can be good, if we make them ultimate things and place them above who Christ is and what he's done for us, we miss our whole identity. We miss our whole purpose as disciples and disciple makers. Uh, And I don't want to do that. I want us to be defined by the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus personally and as a church called Redemption. You with me? Awesome. Secondly, we see this. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth belongs to me. Make disciples by baptism. Bringing people's identity under the authority of Jesus. That's what baptism is significant for. Right? So, make disciples, baptism. Next, he says this. He says, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's huge there, too, by the way. I love that Jesus is like, hey, look, it's about my life, death, burial, resurrection, but also it's, it's an act of God's redemption, and the Holy Spirit uh, actualizes that in your hearts, and the Holy Spirit empowers you to live as a disciple. Um, there's so much we can do there. We're going to keep going, though. Teaching them all that I command us. It says, go make disciples of all nations. Like, as you go about your life, make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Secondly, teaching them. Teaching them. Now, the phrase there is teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. We're, we're going to break down the teaching and the observe part. Uh, teaching all that Jesus commanded. What did Jesus command? I mean, this is hard. We have the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and maybe you're walking in here today and saying, you know, I uh, don't understand how come when you read in the book of Leviticus how there's certain dietary laws, how come we don't have to do that now? Doesn't Jesus say we're supposed to do all that he commanded? Yeah, he does. Um, I was walking uh, around the block in my neighborhood with my family the other day, and one of our neighbors stopped us, and, and we started talking about the History Channel Bible thing. Have you seen that? Did you guys see the, the Bible series? And and what's interesting in any conversation like that, what inevitably happens is somebody says, well, hey, do you think it was historically accurate? I don't, I mean, in some parts maybe. Do I believe that the angels were like ninjas? Did you see that? Like these angels show up with swords? It was so cool, man. I don't know that the angels were like that, but it was still cool. You know, the John the Baptist have dreads. Hmm. But he looked awesome, Right? So we start talking about the historical accuracy, which segues into the theological accuracy. Do you think it was theologically accurate? And um, at the end of the day, this leads us to a conversation about, you know, what's the whole point of the Bible? Not, not the Bible movie, but the Bible, the Bible scripture. Like, what's the whole point? Is the whole point for us to figure out historical accuracies? Is the whole point for us to debate theological things? Um, or what is the point of the Bible? Because as disciples, we want to know. And if we're going to lead others to Jesus, we want to teach them all that Jesus commanded us. We want to know what we're teaching. So what is the point of the Bible? I'm going to sum it up to you in the words of Jesus. All right? We looked at this last week, Luke chapter 24, verse 44 through 48. Last week we looked at this. After Jesus came back to life, the disciples are sitting around talking about what happened. Jesus' body's not there. What's going on? Jesus steps in the room and says, Peace. And then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, 
that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So what's the point of Scripture? The point is to Jesus. And that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, everything in the Old Testament law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, it's all about me. It's all about the grand story of God's redemption of wayward people that happens ultimately in the personal work of Jesus who uh, through his death, burial, resurrection secures for us repentance and forgiveness of sin. That means repentance being transformed, turned, changed in every way. Forgiveness of sin no longer being defined by your wickedness, brokenness, weakness, failure. Being defined by the personal work of Jesus. That that's what is to be proclaimed. So, the gospel is like a multifaceted jewel. I don't want to be trite and say, well, the point of scripture is Jesus. Okay, well, thank you. But how about the Levitical laws about bacon and tattoos? Jesus. You know, well, the complexities of whatever. I don't want to be trite. But in the end, if you view everything you read in Scripture through the lens of Jesus, it starts to make a lot more sense. And this is what it is we are to teach. You see, Scripture does not tell us who to marry, where to live, where to work. Scripture tells us what kind of spouse to be because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. It tells us what kind of neighbor to be because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. It tells us what kind of employee to be because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. You see, when we look at Scripture pointing us to Jesus who redeems us, who, I, who changes our identity, we find our identity in Christ, that changes everything for us. You see, the Bible's not going to tell you exactly what color shoelace to put on, but it will shape you to become more like the Christ that saved you. This is what is beautiful about this is Jesus says all the scriptures pointing to me in the book of Luke and then we get back to Matthew's account with the great commission he says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me as you go about your life make disciples all nations baptizing them helping them see their identity in Christ baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son the Holy Spirit teaching them we seek by God's grace at Redemption Church to teach Christ every Sunday. We, we seek to teach Christ through the scriptures in our missional communities and DNA groups and uh, any Bible study that we have. We, we do not want to hand you a Bible and say this is all about you doing better and trying harder. You read this and you get your act together. If anybody teaches you that, they're short-sighted of the gospel try to be gentle. If anybody hands you a Bible and says, you do this so God will love you, they don't get the gospel. See, the gospel is we open this up and say, God has done all of these things because he's good and he's holy. And because of all of this that God has done, your life's going to look different. Now, is there instruction in there? Yeah, we're looking at one today. Make disciples. Well, if Jesus does it for us, should we just chill? And not? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, there's... There are imperative instructions that pattern the way of living. We're going to get to that in a second. Oh, I'm jumping ahead. This was like six sermons into one. Happy Master's Week. It's a gift to you. 
So what is, we'll do this. What does teaching look like in your life? Because the whole point of Scripture is to point us to Jesus and to shape how we are to live as his disciples because of the identity. It's not do this so that God will love you, but God loves you, therefore your life should look different. It's not do this and then you'll be accepted into the community. No, you're accepted here because we love you and because grace defines you. And, uh, and we believe that as we sit under God's word, we'll be shaped and transformed to be more like him. So, you know, bring your baggage and let's hang out for a little while and look to Jesus together. You want to? There's donuts in the lobby. All right. What does teaching look like in your life? I mean, what role does scripture play in your life? In your conversations, how you parent your children, how you relate to your spouse, how you relate to other believers? Do we, do we submit to God's grace through his word? And, and do we teach this well to each other? Because let me tell you, when I'm hanging out with my friends and the, the other staff guys here, and uh, I mean, there was a moment just, I mean, it's been several weeks now, but there was a moment where I made some off-color comment, and one of our staff members called me on it very graciously. He's like, Jeremy, hmm? I was like, oh, you're right. I mean, I mean, in that moment, it wasn't a heavy-handed, dude, you were wretched. It was like, Jeremy... In that moment, are you really believing the gospel's good enough? I mean, you know, you can get self-deprecating or you can get puffed up in pride or you can be sarcastic in a way that really at its core is doubting the gospel. And in a moment of a little flippant, angry remark, I had one of our staff members say, dude, in that moment, you're just forgetting the gospel. I was like, ah, you're right, conviction. Anytime you're convicted, that's what it sounds like, by the way. Like the Holy Spirit is like, conviction. Actually, it sounds more like Adam Sam's. I don't know what I'm talking about. All right, so here we go. The Great Commission. All the authority belongs to Jesus. The, whole, the Great Commission is bookended with all authority in heaven and on earth is mine, that's Jesus, and that I am with you always to the end of the age, that's Jesus. It's book, bookmarked, sandwiched in there is the Great Commission to uh, make disciples as you go about your life, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It means our identity is found in the person and work of, of God's redemption for us, right? And then teaching them, that means all of Scripture is pointing us to Jesus, who He is, what He's done. Because of that, we have repentance, we have forgiveness of sins. This is what we're to proclaim. And then thirdly, we look at this. Because Jesus says, teaching them, it's not, see, this is what's hard. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is where it gets hard, because Scripture, like when we were disciples, is not just about teaching, only I don't want to just dump information into your brain so you can be so smart and we can have like theological debates. That's not what the Great Commission says. It's teaching them, teaching them to observe. It's a practical component to discipleship. I mean, you can argue Greek and theology all day long and be lost in the sauce, my friend. Being a disciple is an identity change. There is teaching that happens because Scripture informs us of who God is, what He's done, how we are to live, and then there's a practical application teaching them to obey. I love this because God is sovereign in every area of our lives. That's why He says, hey, all authority is mine, so just go, man. It's, all, it's like, it's like God, Jesus is saying, life is a playground. I'm the architect. I built it. It's my playground. Those are my swings. My monkey bars, my slide. Now go. Jesus doesn't say, stay on the slide. Never get on the monkey bars. No, he's like, dude, go on the playground. As you go, playground, slide, monkey bars, seesaw, sandbox. Just stay in the fence, right? 
all authority of Jesus, just get on that playground. And as you go, make disciples, baptizing, teaching, to obey. You see, obedience is not about getting God's approval. Obedience is how we live because we have God's approval. Obedience is not do this so that God will love you. It is you're going to live this way because God loves you. It is not do better, try harder, or else. It's like, no, Jesus paid it all. In Christ, you have forgiveness of sin. In Christ, you are a new person. Your life is to be defined by repentance. I love that. I mean, repentance, ongoing, ongoing looking to Jesus, not looking to yourself, or looking to your situation, or looking to your money, or looking to your tradition, or looking to your faults and weaknesses, but saying, man, repentance is, is turning and looking to Jesus constantly. And to be a disciple, that's what we do with each other. Like, we grab each other, like, in a little headlock and say, man, you're not looking to Jesus right now. We need to look to Jesus together. Come on. Like, in this room, we say, we're looking to Jesus together. That's what you do as a parent. You know this if you have kids. You say, man, you're not looking to Jesus, man. Get your hand out of the candy. Look to Jesus. Stop fighting with your sister. Look to Jesus. Undoubtedly, as your kids get older, I'm just speaking because I have 5, 3, and 10-month-old, 11-month-olds. But as they get older, obviously, the issues get different, and we're to shepherd our children to Jesus. We're to uh, men shepherd our, our wives to Jesus to obey. It's we do because of what Christ has done. We act a certain way because, you know, it's like my hippie friend, man. His whole life was to, just patterned out because of the band Fish. Why? Because he was obeying, in a sense, what it took to be part of that community and to have that identity. But see, in Christ, our lives are patterned by who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And Jesus says this, and this is why we don't do it alone, in John 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, with whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You see, Jesus sends his Holy Spirit to be with us. You know, we look through Scripture, it's the Holy Spirit that seals you for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is God's mark on you, identifying you as belonging to God. It's the Holy Spirit that dwells with us as we gather in worship. It's the Holy Spirit who, Jesus says, empowers our obedience and our remembrance of, of how we are to live in Scripture. Man, this is so much, I feel like it's just like, let me just dump everything on you. Um, we're going to pick up more on this next week. Actually, Ben will be preaching more about how this shapes us as a church. Because, uh, you know, friends, I don't want to be merely a gathering of people that gather around the teaching, but not the to obey all that God commanded you. You follow me? Because, because I see that. I'm not faulting anybody. I'm just, we're all humans and whatever. But I, so many times I say, well, I, I like this church because of the teaching. Awesome. We hope the teaching is good here. By God's grace, the teaching is working on your brains and hearts. But if we just walk out of here saying, well, hey, I know the Greek word for sanctification. Awesome. Now, how does sanctification look in your life? <laughs> because we want to be 
a gathering of people that say we belong to Jesus. He identifies us because of his life, death, burial, resurrection. He has sealed us by his Holy Spirit. We are part of God's large redemptive story because all authority in heaven and earth belongs to Jesus. And he says he will be with us always to the end of the age. And because of that, we're disciples and we're going to make disciples. And this is what that looks like. Baptism. We're going to identify with him and his work. Splash. Teaching. We're going to gather around God's word and we are going to recount the beautiful story of redemption and everything that Jesus has done from Genesis to Revelation. How does this all tie together? Like, I want us to learn together. As a disciple is a learner and a follower, but that teaching has a component with it to observe. If we want to do what, what Scripture has us to do because we are who Scripture says we are because of what Christ has done. You with me? So here at Redemption Church, this is this is how we have it at the moment. We we uh, want to be a church that's leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. Like we want, because part of the imperative, if we want to observe what Jesus has commanded, part of what He has commanded is to make disciples, right? I mean, Jesus says, teach them all that I have commanded you. And part of all of that command is right in this verse to make disciples. So if you're not a Christian, we want to grow, grow you, I mean, watch you grow into the faith and belief and relational trust in Jesus and obedience to who Jesus is calling you to be, repenting of sin, walking in faith, and also being a disciple maker by baptizing, teaching, to observe as you go about life. Isn't that cool? I mean, can you imagine what would happen is, is if by God's Holy Spirit this just like took off in this room? I mean, we've got a lot going on for a little church, man. We're looking at a you know, location downtown to like have a base of operations. We, we have folks in this room that are traveling overseas to take the gospel to different parts of the world. So cool. But at the end of the day, we want to be a group of disciples defined by Jesus leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. So if you're here and you're in this room and you're not a Christian and you're like, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about, please talk to me. I mean, we want you to know Jesus. We want your life to be defined not by your sins, your failures, not by some hippie band. We want your life to be defined by who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And if you're in this room and you're a believer and you're thinking, man, I've not been baptized, we would love to baptize you. We would love to celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And in so doing, celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Baptism. It'd be so fun. We'll drag that tank in here. We'll splash you. It'll be beautiful. It's an act of worship together. And if you're here in this room and you're a Christian, uh, I'm going to ask you to join me in repentance and belief in the gospel because when we fail to look to Jesus as our identity, as we fail to make disciples, as we fail to teach, as we fail to observe, as we fail to, as we go, make disciples, it's because we don't, we don't believe the gospel. And, uh, and we all fail at that every day. But by God's grace, we are to be characterized by ongoing repentance and ongoing belief because Jesus is good. So um, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you were good. Father God, I thank you that in the grand story of redemption from Genesis to Revelation, uh, we are looking to Jesus as our ultimate redeemer. 
And I thank you that this redemption is a personal identity change, no longer defined by our sins or failures or weaknesses. But God, we're defined by Jesus personally. We're defined by Jesus as a community gathered around his name. And so God, I pray that you would give us wisdom and humility as your people, that we would indeed observe all that you've commanded. Uh, And that as we teach one another, as we lead each other to Jesus, uh, more would come to love you and know you and follow you and be identified as disciples who would then therefore lead others to Jesus. And God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would uh, awaken dead hearts to life for the first time. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would renew weak and tired, hardened hearts with the good news of Jesus. God, that you would inspire us, encourage us. God, that we would build one another up in the faith that we would be characterized by ongoing belief, that trust in Jesus, the ongoing repentance of sin. God, that we would be saturated by your grace so that we could be a storehouse of grace givers to the families in which we live, the neighborhoods in which we live, the, the jobs where we work, the schools we attend. God, the city. God, I pray that you would do just remarkable things. And in the end, the only thing we can do is say, wow, Jesus is great. So Lord, I pray that you would have us be a church, a people who lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.